Hello, and welcome to the Mac Gamecast, episode 44. I'm John Carr, and here with the awesome Sam. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, thank you. Fantastic. And today is going to be all about Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3 and some more. Baldur's Gate 3, unsurprisingly. Um, I guess I kind of lied. There's a very quick side note, which is Feral Interactive is not dead. After one and a half years, they released a new Mac game, which is Total War Pharaoh, I believe just today uh so you know if you like total war and or you like egyptian battles and stuff you can go check that out it's uh it's on steam uh i don't know if it's on the app store it could be you can buy it direct from feral which is a steam code but you support feral more um it's a 60 dollars game honestly i don't think it's worth 60 dollars, but i'm a little biased i think it's more like a 40 50 dollar game <laughs> what do you think I people love Total War games. I'm not one of those people, so I won't be buying it. But I own, I think, like four of them. I don't. I have no idea why, but that's just kind of the Steam thing. Yeah, I keep buying into the hype, buying the new one, and I <laughs> just like them. It's just they're not like your jam. I yeah, I prefer RTS, like um, Age of Age of Empires two, which is technically a Mac game, although not really anymore. Um. I bought that game for Mac when it was OS nine. Wow, I think. nice. And I still play like the classic edition. It you can run it really easily on your Mac through a crossover and stuff. Or sure, yeah. It's a ni- late nineties or early two thousands. I forget what it is, but easy enough to run on basically. Cool. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that throw that out there because our next episode could be a month off, and it was news today and. You know, I like the monitor feral, so I just wanted to mention it really quick. But otherwise, today's a Baldur's Gate 3 review with Sam and I, because we're the only team members who have actually played it. Sam has played more than me, but I've played enough, certainly, to discuss it. I think I'm around 40 hours in. But it's not 40 hours in. It's 40 hours spread across multiple playthroughs, so I only got so far in each one. <laughs> you got further than me. Um yeah, besides just the review itself, because, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 is interesting. It's come up on the podcast before more than once. You know, we mentioned it even years ago when it was in early access because it was on Mac. We mentioned it recently when it was, you know, coming out or it has come out. Casper and I had a fun episode on the quality of the game versus because it spawned this Internet debate. But here we're mostly uh, here to talk about, well, the game itself. But I also wanted to consider talking about some adjacent things like well, just the sheer magnitude of the game, I do think it is a crowning achievement in like game game history, honestly. Um, and maybe some things about D and D itself, like kind of how accessible the game might be if you're not familiar at all with like D and D rules versus maybe you're just used to Divinity games or whatever RPGs, and you're hopping into this. Some stuff like that. Some things around the game, also, not just the game itself. Yeah, and. Um... I I was curious, John. What's your back? What's your like CRPG or like D and D like background going into a game like Baldur's? That's game a great three? question, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up. Um, no, no real D and D background. I mean, I played Neverwinter Nights. Oh my god, I don't know when, and I never got that far. Um, I was unfamiliar. It was all strange to me. I'm like, oh, this is a cool fantasy RPG thing. I got it. Honestly, I think I pirated it. Sorry. Uh, MacSoft, whoever the heck published it way back then. I don't know who it was. Um, I was overseas at the time, though. I went. <laughs> anyway, that's that's an aside. Um, 
I don't know, I got to level five or something and I was just, it was, I had no idea what was really happening. I just kind of stumbled my way through the game as some type of ranger. Um, and then I didn't, I never finished it. I did a little co-op. Um, CRPGs, I mean, most of my time has been spent in Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2. I never played the old um, Baldur's Gate games um, beyond like demoing them, uh, you know, or Icewind Dale. Um, there's game, various games I bought and or tried, like the Revi- the updated Planescape Torment game. That was, I think, a Kickstarter, I don't know, five, ten years ago. There's been a couple others I got sent as, like, review codes. I can't remember their names now. Um, by all accounts, they were pretty solid games. But sort of their density and, you know, unfamiliarity with the world. Like, when a game is that big, I have to be really hyped to play it. Because they tend to be long games, uh, 40, 60, 80, 100 hours or whatever it could be. Uh, they tend to have dense rule sets with around combat and character building. So most of my RPG experience was action RPGs, which are very straightforward. They tend to not be complex unless you're Path of Exile. And the complex part is the stupid skill tree with a thousand nodes or whatever. Um, the game itself isn't complex. Like click on monster, click, you know, one of your five spells or attacks and monster dies. And, you know, rinse, repeat Diablo type formula. So... Yeah. Yeah, when I first tried Baldur's Gate 3 in early access, actually one of the, or three odd years ago, one of the reasons I returned it was because of its density. I'm like, I just don't understand how this game works, and that annoys me. And I was only trying it for under two hours. I planned to return it. I'd always planned to buy it later because of my background with Larian. Well, not with Larian, but with Larian's games, Divinity 1 and 2. Uh, I loved them so much. I mean, my YouTube channel was built off Divinity 1 tutorials. <laughs> I spent so much time on that game and really deep dived it like A to Z, figured everything out. Um, and that was super fun. But by the time Baldur's Gate 3 came around, I didn't quite have the same drive. You know, I was playing a lot of RTS games, shooters. So background wasn't really there. And it did put me off. I'm not going to lie. Even though I'm like, I'm Mr. Bro Gamer. I'm pretty good. And I was, I kind of hit a wall in my face like, oh my goodness, you know. The spell thing, the spell slot thing really threw me off. Like, wait, what? I used the spell once and suddenly I have to rest to use it again. Like, you know, I'm just used to slinging spells on cooldown, you know, from so many other games. So like stuff like that really threw me off and not like, oh, I hate this game. Just like, I have to like actually learn this game or I can't enjoy it. Yeah, I'm, I have like a kind of similar, probably even like less exposure to the genre um i've in regards to dnd i've played like a, like not not a campaign like, like i've done like a one shot once right. and i enjoyed it but my friend group it just doesn't have we have one friend who can dm but he's he doesn't have a ton of time so he's not super interested in putting a campaign together which is <laughs> very fair to him he's a busy guy he's got kids and stuff um and the rest of us uh, would not be a good DMs, so we kind of just don't play D&D. <laughs> but I did I have that one one shot that we did. Really enjoyed it. And I'm talking like obviously like like real tabletop D&D here. Um, and that was probably like f- three or four years ago. I want to say like sometime during COVID we right, did that. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, CRPGs, I've bought a bunch as we all do on on steam but i own divinity originals in one and two and i've i i booted them up briefly was never in the right headspace to really play them at the time so just 
I don't know, played like an hour and then thought, let's go back to probably a shooter or something. <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Um, so this is my first CRPG since I'm meeting nobody listening to this. will know what this game is, but Atlas Atlas gift of the Arami. I had to look it up. It was made by Freeverse. If you I remember, do remember those guys them, from yeah. the early, yeah. So the, that that's from like the nineties. That <laughs> game. It's like a super old school, like top down CRPG. I probably played it on like an old, like iMac G three or something. Nice. That's the last like CRPG that I actually like completed, and I was like probably eight or ten or something at the time. Um, since then, I haven't really done anything in the genre. So I I think all that's important. Because a lot of people will approach Baldur's Gate 3 and they'll go like, oh, it has a 95 or whatever it has a Metacritic, but I don't play CRPGs or I don't play D&D or, um, or like that's a really good game for people who like those games. Um, and this, it's it's just not. It's so like, obviously you can dislike Baldur's Gate 3 and it's totally fine. But I think if you're avoiding it because of those reasons, I would definitely give it a shot. Um, like me being someone who has never really enjoyed or consumed that genre of games and has played D&D once in my life right. for four hours, right. I think it's an incredible game. Um, so if you are someone who, who loves those things, it'll probably be your favorite game ever, I'm assuming. Maybe not, but I don't want to like overhype it, but it's, it's just super high quality. Um, but if you're not into those things, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Right. Yeah. The, I had a mental format for this review and I got scrambled and forgot you're setting it up nicely though. Thank you. Uh, like who is this game for was kind of the conversation we just had or who might it, you know, is this game for you? Um, and I think that's a really relevant discussion. It is a $60 game. Hasn't been on sale. I mean, will be eventually I'm sure, but uh, you know, it'll probably take you fifty hundred hours to finish it or whatever, depending on how you play. And that's just a single run, um, you know, all that kind of a stuff. Um, but I think, you know, it, even if you're not, because I also like shooters and the strategy games are my bread and butter. You know, I always come back to them. I always enjoy them. You know, I'm deep in Dark Tide and Cyberpunk right now, like just cranking on those games when I have free time. Um, but Baldur's Gate three, like it can't, it will, it can and will consume you if you get into it because there's so much to do, but it, but it doesn't so much to do in the sense of that. It doesn't make you feel like it's a chore, like, oh no, I have to just tick these things off the list. No, it's like really interesting things to do. You know, I want to advance the main story. I want to do this fun side quest. I want to, you know, um, take time to uh, spend time with one of my, you know, party companions and see what's, see what they're all about. Um, so, yeah, what the main difference for those who don't know, CRPG does stand for computer role-playing game, and they are meant to emulate a more heavier rule set as opposed to action RPGs or ARPGs, um, which Diablo and all its ilk, you know, Titan Quest and what have you. Um, I mean, I don't really know what good action RPG we've had on the Mac recently. I mean, Diablo 3 was 10 plus years ago. I'm sure we've had smaller ones since then, but like... At, like double a triple a arpg i don't know if we've gotten i guess path of exile came out um was torchlight ARPG? Uh, yes it was that's a while yeah, ago now but... it's like a double a game you know indie sort of double a type um but yeah i you know Baldur's gate like if you're not sure don't just go to like the steam page go go to youtube go look at some cool videos go look at some how-tos even if you're not sure like the game's worth a peek even if you don't necessarily like fantasy 
the game is fantasy, but it's weirdly grounded because the writing and characters are so relatable, most for the most part, anyway. Um, you know, I think you can always find someone somewhere that will interest you or a certain quest line, or there's a lot of cool stuff in the game. So now that we might have, you know, we've more or less established who the game might be for, a quick, like, maybe maybe you can, because you've also played more than me, but kind of a quick breakdown of how, like, what does the game look like to play, you know, for 10 minutes or whatever? Yeah, and I won't get into spoilers yet, at least, but I, I, I guess maybe before I get into that, do we want to set ground rules of, like, what we're going to talk about in right, regards right. to, like, how far into the story or yeah we'll do spoiler stuff towards towards the end you have played more than me so i'm limited but i have played a decent chunk of act one also like multiple ways and seen a bunch of different paths um so there's a lot of cool stuff and i have some inkling of what starts to happen in act two just because i consume so much media and social media around the game and reddit and youtube and whatever i inadvertently like mildly spoiled a few things for myself nothing like serious but like it won't be a total surprise going act three is a total surprise other than the setting um and a couple anyway there's still a few incidental things i spoiled (laughs) as well (laughs) but at the end at the end end of it i don't know um like review you know we can talk performance we can talk gameplay visuals feel length the value like kind of all the standard beats you might hit Mm -hmm. in a review um and you know what we think of it and then we can have okay stop here unless you want to listen to spoilers and then we'll wrap up the show yeah yeah sounds good so trying to think back i'm about 80 hours in now just to get the audience like up to speed of my setting right for ball's get three 80 ish hours probably like 20 of that is safe scumming <laughs> um i've only done one character oh really okay. i have i'm planning to do it with uh, make it a co-op campaign fired up with some friends soon but uh i've i've really wanted to start new characters and like restart act one but i was like no i'm just gonna like like complete the game once and then probably do act one a million times. I think that's the best way to approach it. Honestly. Um, I wish I had done that, but I'm kind of stuck in this weird multi multi arc limbo of act one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm playing a ranger, um, which I found out later after I made my character that probably not the best character for like a, a new person like me. Like it's, it's fine. Like it's not like I'm, so you made a custom character, really... not a, a preset? Yeah, a custom character. My custom Tav. Um, <laughs> I'm like this like old grizzled guy with like long white hair, like a massive white beard. Nice. like Kind of like a Geralt to reveal look, but a little more old and grizzled. Nice. Um, I was going for like old Aragorn sort of vibes or look. But uh, yeah, so like what is it? <laughs> I'm trying to think back. So like I start the game up. I this isn't spoilers. It's the first ten minutes. You're on the um, mind flare ship, um, and what one thing I would definitely say to those playing the game is like I think that mind flare ship does a good job of like introducing you to the game's mechanics. But if you get on there and you're like, this is a lot. Like there's like brains running around and like a lot of gore <laughs> and like what are these mind flare things? It's I would say like. Get off the ship. You can get off the ship in like a five minutes if if you sort of understand the the flow of events there. You'll go down to Act One onto the beach and to like the uh, the Sword Coast thing it's called, and then the, 
so that you're only like an hour or two into the game at this point. If it's your first time playing, if it's your second time playing, you're like 10 minutes into the game. Um, definitely get that far and play a little bit before you draw conclusions. Right. Um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So it's just when I started playing it, I was like, okay, this is like a standard CRPG. Like here I am clicking around. I got my couple spells, got a companion now, um, turn based. Uh, oh, I should mention I played a lot of Dragon Age. I forgot about that. So that's that'd be a much more recent CRPG. I played Dragon Age Origins, the first one. And that people would probably know was made by Bioware. But Bioware actually made Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. And then they went on to make Dragon Age, which they called a spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate. Right, yes. Um, so obviously it's a totally different IP, different world, different characters, different everything. Um, but if you played Dragon Age 1 especially and liked it, that game was meant to be a successor to the first two Baldur's Gates in in a sort of similar vein to how Baldur's Gate 3 is obviously a, a true successor. Right, yeah. Um, so yeah, but the more I played, the more just like eyebrow raising in terms of like like a good thing like just the sheer quality of like just character interactions random little like you'll see like a little like a stone on like a crane um and you're like oh i wonder if i can shoot that crane with my bow and arrow yep yes you can and then the stone (laughs) will fall and maybe damage somebody or break through the wall or whatever um depends on the environment right right but um yeah, the game does a good job of like not ramming tooltips down your throat. I, I can't stand it when games do that. When it's just like tooltip after tooltip, and like the gameplay stops, you gotta like hit X to close the tooltip window, and then um, it does a good job just like slowly introducing you, and it and it it makes you like figure things out in a good way. Where if you dial the difficulty down, and you just like, say like I'm just gonna like left click the guy with my sword. Um, you can play the game that way, but it's not going to be very fun. Uh, if you put the difficulty up, I think the game gets a lot better because it forces you to reevaluate how you approach certain fights. And I think the fights and are not just literal fights, but the sort of the sequences and like set pieces that, that they've designed are are really really good like i think that's one of the best things i've I've enjoyed about acts one and two and i'm just starting act three so probably act three as well is every single fight whether it's like a boss fight or just like a couple random i don't know goblins or something they all feel very intentional very well thought up by larry and the dev and there's no like trash mobs so to speak where it's just like fighting for the sake of fighting so you can level up you got to grind like 200 kills over here and then we're going to be level four it's like none of that every every encounter you have is a, is a meaningful fight and you can approach it different ways and it's once you win the fight you've won the fight like there's the area is not going to like reset or respawn or anything like that. i do appreciate that a lot about the game especially even playing a game like cyberpunk which i adore um, there's a lot of the, the game's filled with trash mobs, as it were, which are just random gang members sitting around. And I stop all the time from my vehicle or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'll just go over there, shoot them all really quick, and then keep doing what I'm doing, loot them, and keep on my way. So, or obviously, you're used to that from ARPG games where it's nothing but trash and bosses. It's like the whole game loop. Um, so, I really do appreciate that about Baldur's Gate 3. Like you said, everything feels intentional and more organic. Like, people are like, 
people are doing things that make sense. They're in a village or they're at their camp or they're out fighting a owl bear. Or, you know, they're like doing stuff in the world and you happen to encounter them. Um, and, you know, often you can talk to them first, not always, but often um, in many cases, um, which is nice. So, yeah, uh, starting the game, I agree you should do the tutorial, which is the ship. You should get on the beach. Character creation can be daunting. If you're not sure, just pick one of the cool preset characters. They're all neat. If you don't pick them, they show up as companions later. Um, but you can also be one of them, which is neat. Because um, you can change stuff later. You can change your class, but not your race or background. Um, and some things are kind of hard-coded for the whole game. So it's not like pure experimentation. Um, or you should go look up like Baldur's Gate 3, how to build a character or something, you know, that, that would be my advice. Um, but otherwise, like, like most of these games, it's real time in the world as you walk around and talk to people and what have you or explore. But then when you're in combat, everything's turn-based. Another thing that's really cool about combat is that if, so it's, it's, it's turn-based, but um, with so it, this is there where the D and D rule density comes in. Most of it is around like ninety percent of it's around combat. The other ten percent is kind of the world and uh, 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 checks during conversation, persuasion, intimidation, and so on. Um, but it's, so everything is um, um, uh, controlled by initiative, which is usually derived from a particular stat. Which I forget what it is. It's not fin- finesse or some shit. Um, maybe that's a divinity stat. Um, of course, there's also mods, which I've messed around. I think I have a true initiative mod on, which rolls for initiative literally for everyone every time. So I kind of forgotten. <laughs> but what I love, even though it's all turn-based, if you're in the same initiative block as your teammates, you can all act in real time within that same turn, which is really interesting. So it actually creates a really dynamic feeling combat rather than probably there'll be someone who's always taking their turn truly alone. But I found even playing in a random four-player party, well, not random, it was with friends, but we didn't plan like, oh, we'll plan our initiative values or something. But two or three of us were always acting at the same time, so we could set up really cool turns. You can like, well, I'll move here, then I'll use one, you know, action here, then I'll use my bonus here to like buff you, and then I'll take mine. You can create these really fun turn combos by acting in the same initiative like range, which I found to be incredibly cool. Yeah. And um, the turn-based combat is obviously I've experienced it before in games, my first time experiencing it, but that was, that was probably the, that and the game's length were probably the two biggest, like, uh, I don't know, before I bought it. Um, And it's the turn-based combat is a lot of, I think for people who don't play the game that like watch it on Twitch or YouTube or something, they'll be like, why isn't this real time? Um. The turn-based combat allows for an extremely deep combat system. I don't mean deep in the sense of, like, there's this monster skill tree where I'm, like, I don't know, level 86 dual wielding. No, it's, like, deep in the sense of the things that you can do and, like, just think about and then, like, combo with the environment or with companions or with enemies um things that you wouldn't think the game will let you do but in in like real life so to speak you could do uh you can probably do um so like that might be like i don't know convincing somebody that they shouldn't actually be fighting you right now or like using the environment to like your advantage in a way that basically zero games let you do um 
So yeah, don't like sleep on the turn-based combat if you're if you're skeptical about that. Right. Yeah. There is one fight in particular. I won't say what the fight was, but it was a it was a pretty difficult fight that I like accidentally stumbled into. Like I, I knew it was coming, but I I wanted to put it off longer, but I um ended up ended up needing to happen before i went to sleep like went went for a long rest so it's like all right i guess i gotta do this um i sat down at like seven or eight o'clock at night that evening and like lost a lot of times but every time like okay like what if i like positioned here and like used these spells and then i have like this one-time use um spell i'll say like you know what I'm talking about the uh, the brothers or whatever. They're oh called. yeah, 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 um, yeah. And then like also the uh, the thing in the flask. I was gonna say I'm, I'm intentionally being the thing in right the flask. <laughs> yeah. So like I I had both of those. Ooh. So I was like, oh, like, is this the time? Like, do I use them? So then like use them and then maybe you wipe again and then. So long story short, I spent like four or five hours on this one fight, but it didn't. And some people might hear that and be like, oh, that sounds horrible, but. I could have easily just dropped the difficulty and like wiped the mobs. I could have probably installed the mod to like make it easier if I wanted to, or I could have just done a long rest and avoided the fight. And that would have been fine for like the game. Like it wouldn't have like broken the game or anything, but I just wouldn't have, I didn't want the story to play out in that yeah, way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a really rewarding and like, fun challenge just like sitting down and like maximizing this combat um and and really using like everything the game has to offer to your advantage and you're like combing through all your characters inventories like all right what do we got here like what's what's this a little buff or maybe somebody's hiding like a fireball spell or something that i didn't know that was on my third companion or i don't know yeah um yeah i i really really enjoy the combat and and the thing I enjoy about it is like you might hear five hours. That's a ton of time. 99% of the fights are not like that, especially if you're over leveled, it's pretty easy. Um, but the fights are also few and far between and very well crafted. So it's not like it's like you're, you're going to these like tedious turn-based combat scenes, like every 10 steps because they're spawning trash mobs on you. It's like, there's the fights. You probably see them there before you engage in them. Um, and you decide how you want it to play out. Yeah, pretty much every single fight is either a set piece, a quest, or like some sort of intentional encounter you might stumble across, like you said. So yeah. what's also rewarding about them is, well, they feel meaningful. So whether they're hard, so, you know, a hard fought battle is, of course, like, woohoo, we pulled that off, even though we're all like down to one HP and that guy's dead over there. We got to resurrect him. Or even if you just sweep through and, you know, demolish the characters, well, then there's like a story beat there. There might be someone you rescue. There could be someone instead who spawns a quest. It could be, I mean, you can even, you know, there's a raise dead spell, ritual spell, so you can run around and talk to corpses. Although they won't talk to you if you kill them, but then you can use the, like, change appearance spell to alter your appearance, and then you can talk to them. And there's, like, this all this, like, crazy stuff around the game. Um, but most of the game is actually exploring and, like, talking to people, whether it's your companions going on quests. A lot of the quests, frankly, do involve combat or... They involve, well, persuasion and intimidation. Maybe you got to go, like, bully some goblins off and, like, because you have, you're a barbarian with intimidation or something, you can go 
scare them off. Or like you said earlier, alluded to earlier, you can convince some people to not fight you altogether. You can convince some people just to join you. You could join them. You can backstab people. Like the game really is very deep in its quest and story systems, which all feed into these really cool, really cool combat moments. Um, And they always feel meaningful because you're always doing something. And there's definitely a ton of optional content. Actually, the optional content is kind of mind-blowing. Like, you can skip the Underdark. To me, that's insane. There's so much to do in the Underdark, which, and that's not really a spoiler. Like, it's shown in the trailers and stuff. Um, I'm currently in the Underdark, pretty deep in. Haha. Um, but I'm like, you can just skip all this. This is insane. This is like, this could be a whole game down in here. Like, the length of time you could spend in there. And of course, my introduction was quite memorable because I got jumped by two minotaurs. But that's exclusive to how I got in. There's like four different ways to get in and you go in another way and it wouldn't happen. So um, it reminds me a little bit of like the old Deus Ex games. Not obviously in its um, look. It's, you know, that, those were first person games. But just that, oh, here's a thing and you can resolve it like three or four different ways. You know, and honestly, this game even exceeds that. But it gave me that kind of feel like you said, like, oh, you can kind of do it in real life. And so many games have like gamey systems and there are gamey systems there, but most of it's more around magic. Everything else is like, like take a basic action. Everyone has access to these basic actions, which are and honestly so fun. Everyone can like jump, push or shove. I forget what it's called. And a couple other things like throw objects. So suddenly you can do all these like outrageous things in combat or even outside of combat sometimes just with these basic actions. Um, you know, jumping around the fights, you know, we're up and down ledges actually becomes very important. You can shove people off to their doom, you know, or you could be shoved. I actually got killed in a pretty major fight against um, a boss in a camp because I didn't realize it was the first time it happened to me. Um, and I was thinking of shoving people off, but I got close and I was a paladin with quite high strength, like 18 strength and like 20 is kind of the max you can get. Not quite, but kind of. So I was like, well, I, you know, and I failed my strength save and I got shoved just insta-killed off into the in pit of doom. And I'm like, what? The, what? <laughs> Help. My friends resurrected me later. Um, this was in the group play. So the AI, even on this was just on normal. It wasn't even technician, tactician, whether even smarter. Um, so you can just with these basic moves, you can set up all sorts of ridiculous combos. You can shove people onto like ice or oil or effects or off ledges and my favorite interaction is when you have like a like a i want to say hobbit uh halfling in your in your party and then you have like your your barbarian or your paladin or so you're a high strength character and maybe your halfling has like some sort of close quarter thing or maybe maybe they have a bomb equipped or something your barbarian can like throw them into a mob of enemies uh, even though you're like allied with each other and then just get these crazy combos going and stuff um, yeah, throwing. But if yeah. but if you if you try to throw it like your barbarian into combat, that's not going to yeah. work because your barbarian weighs like three hundred pounds. So good it's luck with actually that. throwing stuff's one of my favorite things in the game, especially with Carlac, Carlac's Bay. We'll get to companions, but she's the preset barbarian. Um, and you can take extra. So I want to take a moment to talk about this review's a little haphazard, but okay, it's a big game. Um, we didn't even talk, mention the story really beyond mind flares, I guess, but. Um, so you, the max level in this game is level 12. Honestly, that when I first saw that, that also threw me off. Like level 12, I'm used to hitting 20, 30, 50, 100. Like, what do you mean level 12? That's, that's nothing, you know, pshaw. 
But in D&D terms, the max level is 20, and level 12 is actually really strong. Like, you're basically a demigod almost at level 12, or a superhuman at a minimum. Um, and level 20 is like god tier. You're like fighting Thanos and the cosmos. Like, you're like a celestial being. So they actually capped it intentionally at 12 to not get too insane within the D&D rule set. Um, so you hit probably level 3 or 4 fairly quickly in a couple hours, and then leveling does slow down. But leveling in the, each level in the game feels so meaningful for each character class. You get tons of cool new unlocks each time. You can often select new spells or feats, features, abilities, extra little things for your class or even your subclass. Maybe it's racial specific. You just get a lot of fun new toys drip fed to you. It's definitely not the pace you might be used to from other games, but honestly, as someone who tends to play a lot of these fast paced, like, you know, give me the loot, give me the levels, Borderlands, Diablo, whatever, I thought, like, oh, I might hate this. I didn't even notice because the game is so gripping and immersive. Like, you just get absorbed in the world and systems. Um, and they give you, and you're finding new fun stuff all the time, like new loot and you know, new combos and some characters can switch out their spells like clerics. And I think wizards can just prepare their spells, for example, um, can just swap them out on yeah. the daily. And what the, the one thing I really appreciate about like, this isn't unique to Baller's Gate, but more single player games in general is if, if you feel like you're in an interesting area where something should be like, maybe you don't know there's anything there, but just like, this seems like there's something going on in this area. There's probably something going on in that area in, in Baldur's <laughs> Gate. So it's just it, the game rewards you in that way. Like you could just speed run it and like do the main quest line and not explore the map. But um, and in a lot of games, single player games that I've played in the past, it's like all right, space bar through like dialogue, like on to the next mission or next whatever, and let's just I don't really care. Let's just get to it. In this game. Um, Act One specifically, I think I think I think I've finished. I forget how long it took me to do like the main story beats in Act One, but I explored. I intentionally explored everywhere because I was just having such a good time. And it's like, it's like I'm sure Act Two is going to be great. And I I've since finished Act Two, and Act Two was great. But um, it's like I don't want to progress. Like I'm going to go to like this obscure corner of the map that is still dark for me and. Um, see what's going on over there and uh, yeah I, I remember out in I'll keep it very vague people will play the game while I'm talking about out in like the the beach um, oh, I'm trying to think how much I should say now I'll save it for later <laughs> but. but I agree there's a lot of cool stuff to find now the main quest does a good job of presenting you really interesting parts of the map like, it's not much of a spoiler. You're coming across a group of people and, you know, in a camp. I'll just say that much. And, you know, they're under attack. But then there's, like, discord within the camp. And this isn't really a spoiler. It's just, like, you find it out immediately. Um, but then, once again, there's so many different ways to resolve that. You can help one side, help the other, help everyone, betray them. You can just do all kinds of fun stuff. And even in the camp, then there's, like, little kids trying to steal your shit. And then you can be nice to them or not. And then you can even like steal their shit and the game accounts for it. Like, hey, who stole our stuff? Like the game pays attention to so many little details that other games just don't account for. And by, by I don't mean pay attention to like they went and recorded dialogue for all this. Everything in the game is voiced acted. It's outrageous. You can take a speak to animals ritual spell or whatever and go and talk to all the animals. Now, Divinity 1 and 2 did that, to be fair, with the uh, 
animal friend or something perk, but um, there's just so much out, like outrageous detail in the world um, in terms of its depth of now, not every single character is going to have some epic story attached to them. They might just be a cow that says moo or a vendor who's like, hello, here's my stuff. But um, you can often find all sorts of random quests too, by also just poking a nose around or funny interactions, you know? Um, so that's, you know, just, you can just get, if you love exploration, this game's for you because you can just get lost in the world. And honestly, if you like a good story, I mean, who doesn't like a good story? But if you like a good fantasy story, this game is definitely for you. So the main setup, again, not a spoiler, you know, you're captured by Mind Flayers. I don't know who Mind Flayers are in the lore other than they're like real bad guys. Um, and they can capture you and put this like little tadpole in your head and it turns you into one of them. So you guys, you like your characters, whoever that is, have these tadpoles in your head, but for some reason you're not turned right away. And this is the big mystery. Like, why haven't we turned into a mind flayer in a matter of hours? It's been it's been days and we're still fine. Like, this is weird. So you're on a quest to, like, find a doctor or a healer or a whoever, a magician, like someone who might know something. That's, like, the main thrust of the quest, like, the initial part of the game, um, you know. But then you can even draw upon your tadpole powers later. That's not a spoiler. Um, but you don't have to. It's optional. There's tons of stuff in the game that's optional, which is really interesting. So it's very much a player way, you know, whether that's more in like persuasion and intimidation or even like performance and acrobatics. You can't you can't be a pacifist. You do have to do combat in the game, but you certainly can do less combat in some cases or you can play, you know, total Mr. Paladin Justice Goody Two-Shoes. You can be a like a pretty darn evil scumbag, honestly, especially if you play Dark Urge, which I am, and you're like basically a super violent psychopath, and you get special options to indulge in your, you know, your your nastiness, and you're rewarded for it, which is even like weirder. But you can also resist it. There's a whole storyline there. You can also try and resist it. So it's like it's not a life sim game the way like Disco Elysium is, though I, I forgot I was mentioning CRPGs. Technically, Disco Elysium is one. Um, meaning released on Mac recently. Um, but so it's not a sim game the way like, again, those Deus Ex, Thief, Dis Disco Elysium are. But the world is so rich and so dense and so varied, it almost is like, it's like approaching a sim game. But it doesn't play like one, I guess. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good explanation. Like I would say there's, there's the obviously the main story and your, and your companion stories, which would be like, the secondary level quests and there's like sort of third level quests for other people as well um and if, if you go into this game let, let's say you played a ton of D and D, and you can obviously do whatever you want if you have that mindset you're not gonna have a good time because like it's 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 a game like obviously you can't do literally everything you can't make the random shop vendor your join your party and he's gonna be this heroic adventure <laughs> or something um but if you're if you're willing to accept that like these are the rough boundaries in which the story is going to unfold. Um, I don't mean like choices you make. I just mean like very general, like what we need to get this tadpole out of our head. How you go about that is pretty much entirely up to you. Um, and that's like the real joy. And same with your companions. Like you can kind of be as intimate as you want, shall we say, or as uh as cold to them as you want and they will um, reward you or um, 
I'm trying to the opposite reward, but like negative consequences, like like how you treat your companions matters. Um, in terms of like the the quest they offer you, and then the story, and like um, like yeah, the companions like, are worth like, noting. I mean, Bioware is known for their companions. This isn't a Bioware game; it's a Larian game. But the, if you played the old Bioware games, you know whether that's the Neverwinter Nights, um, Knights of the Old Republic, Baldur's Gate, uh, what was it, Jade Empire? I think Mass even Effect. maybe Mass Effect obviously um but i think larian said an incredible job and written a lot yeah. of really interesting characters or either you'll either love them or you'll love to hate them depending you know and there's some in between surely as well like i hate gale i don't deal with him but tons of people love gale he's quite popular so the game is a really interesting cast and you meet you meet one of them always right away which is Shadowheart, unless you're playing her i guess as the pre-con um so she's always your first introduction um so you know she's very like everyone knows Shadowheart. basically the rest of the characters some of them i'm trying to think some characters even sort of main companions it's theoretically possible to miss them in act one like mm-hmm. carlac for example is kind of out of the way i think there's no reason to go over there other than your own exploration yeah carlac I I saw like videos and knew she was in the game and I I, I wanted her as a companion but I had to like look it up I was like where <laughs> the hell do I find her like I, I was like is she in like Act Two right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. um and I would have found her eventually I think but it it's the the map just keeps going like it, like in a good way like you'll have this like you clear this whole area it's like wow that was like incredible like we got to be on to Act Two now and then like oh never mind here's the underdark yeah. or, whatever, or whatever um or if you don't take the underdark and go the other way like like i, I did both ways i kind of like maximized act right. one i like went all the way through one path and then i was like do i go to act two i was like nope and then it went back and then it went the <laughs> right, other way right, yeah um but yeah like it's 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 inc- I'm really, really enjoying just exploring every nook and cranny. And if you're someone who explores a lot, but not quite everything, and then you had a second playthrough and you made different choices, you would have a very, very different game experience. Yeah, I have heard some people recommend that, um, like especially on Reddit, like, you know, depending on the kind of player you are, obviously, and the amount of time you have, I'm more the like, I like to do everything once the first run as much as possible. And then a second run, like as many different choices as possible but also like trim down on the extra stuff that's kind of fluff. Um, though the game doesn't really have fluff. It's all really high quality fluff, like really high quality. <laughs> There's no real fluff in the game. I'm using that word like as an optional content, basically. Um, yeah, but some people have recommended that way, like just pick one path and not the other. But uh, yeah, the companions are really fun. You'll stumble across several of them early, like not scripted, but kind of like, the quest line essentially puts them directly in your path and you have the option to recruit them. Sometimes like it's a confrontation, honestly, some of them, you would, if you make certain choices, you'll just kill them on the spot <laughs> and that's it. They're out of the game. Boop, a major character gone, you know? Um, or obviously you can hang, you know, recruit them into the party, get to know them as a friend. I think pretty much every character is romanceable who's in your party, uh, without limitation i'm not the biggest fan of that not because i don't believe in inclusivity or something but i prefer it when games are more like well this character has these preferences you know these four are like this those four are like that or whatever but that's you know a minor nitpick on my end ultimately everyone's really interesting 
some characters are more evil inherently. Like they're happy to do evil things. You, they, you actually get like goody points at them when you do kind of like nasty stuff. Other people are very righteous. Some people are much more in between. Um, some people you can even convince them of certain things. You can even change like their mind or personality, like in major ways. Like it's, it's really rich, like the whole like companion side quest system in a way that's far greater than anything like Mass Effect. Or the, I guess I can't speak for the old Baldur's Gates. I didn't play them, but the Bioware games I have played, it's like way richer and deeper, honestly, and than any other like RPG I've played. It's really satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It's, it takes, it takes things like I remember in Mass Effect two or three where you're talking to Liara or um, Garrus or whatever, and those games were really really awesome for their time. But this game, this game feels like that, but in like in like the modern setting. Like in 2023, I'm now like in my 30s. Like I'm having that same feeling talking to my companions as I had when I was like I don't know 14 or whatever playing Mass Effect for the first time. Um, so I, I mean that like the highest price possible. Like it's so much deeper than Mass Effect, but it's it's just like the next next generation of like companion based storylines and stuff. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons it's so. I mean, the game's impressive on a lot of levels. Like just talk visually. Now you know it's not a FPS or something which tends to push you know your computer to its melting point. At least a PC. Um, but it's a inc- very good looking game. It's a very good looking game. Um, and you know what goes into visuals well it's not just the graphics it's also like art design which is really well good it's like quote-unquote level design or map design also really good really varied really rich really interesting everywhere you go it's like ooh, ooh, ooh. you're just looking everywhere all sorts of cool stuff indoors outdoors underground overground whatever um audio is fantastic music voice acting is like 10 out of 10 Not, not just because everything's voice acted but the quality of it is really good the variety of it is really good you don't notice like, hey, that's the same actor voicing these like five dudes or whatever, which happens in some other games. Uh, animations, really, really good for combat, out of combat, spells, facial animations. Of, like characters are very emotive and expressive. All cut, whether they're happy, sad, angry, confused, interested, attracted to you or whatever. It's just really, really well done. So a ton goes into the visual presentation, visual and audio presentation of the game. Um, and also the design of the game itself. And then you combo that with the really interesting exploration, the combat system. And then, of course, even out of combat, it's really fun to talk to people, um, choose different options. Honestly, a lot of those are like really significant, what you choose in in conversation. There's frequent options to persuade, intimidate, or charm, or all kinds of stuff like that. Um, You can use your racial stuff or class stuff all the time some more than others like if you're a bard there's kind of choices everywhere um but sometimes you can only do stuff like a barbarian can do or a paladin can do you know because it's your thing barbarians get like super rage strength things where you can just basically rip things open or apart like it's like oh unlock this thing you failed well then an option pops up like barbarian rage and you just like and you know rip a door open or something you can't do that on every door, but it like pops up here and there. Or you're a paladin. You could come across somebody arguing and you can go up and there's a paladin option that says, well, I'm a paladin who upholds justice. You know, let me hear both your stories and I'll make a judgment, you know. So you can, there's a lot of options for role play as well. Whether you're a magic user, a fighter, a good person, a bad person, you know, whatever. The game has a lot of classes, subclasses, races, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um. So just the whole package is what I said earlier. I think this is a crowning achievement in game design. You know, like even if you don't like the kind of game, 
the sheer magnitude of the game, the quality that was put in to its audio, its visual, its animation, its gameplay depth, combat out of combat. Like I've played so many games where I'm like, well, this game's not bad, but I really only like kind of this part of it. And I focus on that. This game, like across the board is just so fun and so engaging. It's like, well, I want to do everything all the time. Oh, a combat? Great. I'm happy to have some combat. Oh, more exploration? Awesome. Oh, more talking? Cool. A new town or camp? Great. Now I can buy, sell, trade, steal, explore, get quests, you know, level up. Not in town. You don't level up in town, but over time, you know, things just naturally happen in this really fun, honestly, organic mm-hmm. way. Um, so I just think it's an, I think it's, it has to be said, the game's incredible just for what it is, even if you don't like it. But if you like this kind of game or dip your toes in, maybe like we have, we're a little like hesitant. We're like, eh, not really sure, you know, based on our backgrounds. And then we tried it and we're just like, whoosh, sucked in, you know, down the rabbit hole, basically. And since I've gone on to like look up more D&D rules, not that I have to have just been interested, watch more like D&D sessions, look up certain things and just kind of have a blast and the surrounding like adjacent. And I think the community is great, too, whether it's on social media, discords, reddits. You know, I don't know if that's true of all D&D communities or anything, but Larian fans are pretty cool. Fans of this game, I think, are really cool. People have just tons of funny stories and interactions. And, oh, my God, I didn't know that would happen. That's more spoiler territory. But um, it's just a really fun game to play. And I want to say it's a fun game to be a part of if you're into, like, interacting with its community and the things around it. Um, There's a bazillion mods already if you're into modding the game over on Nexus mods. Honestly, I don't know if they work on Mac. Um, but they do on PC quite easily. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a darn darn fun time. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So we've talked about like gameplay, obviously, and like uh, the the depth, the 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 story. I think we'll have to save me for the spoiler section a little yeah. bit. Um, is there anything uh, else? I mean, I guess performance. Performance. I mean, on Mac. So I did just install the game on my MacBook Pro and play around a little bit. Um, so defaults, you know, to whatever the max res is of the pro, I forget what that is offhand. My M1 pro anyway. It's like 3000 by 18. Um, and ultra high ultra settings. Um, and a couple cutscenes, it was chonking down to like 20 FPS. Um, but like just the game itself, like sort of standard, um, it was running at 30 FPS, 28 to 30. This was imagine max res ultra settings. So clearly just turning Mm -hmm. them down a little. To like medium high. And was this was this your cross save from PC that came over fine? Uh, you know that didn't seem to work, but I might have turned it off. You know, oh, because I turned it off. Ha ha ha. I for some reason on the PC side. So I did just start a new game and run around a little bit. Um, and it all it all seemed good. So I can imagine quite easily if I just turned a few settings down, I could easily get steady thirty. Honestly, if I went down to medium, I could probably get sixty steady. Like the performance yeah. seems pretty good. Uh, and the game like. I I know I, this is speaking for myself. I have a stigma about graphic settings. Like I refuse to play on medium. Of course, I used to have to play shit on low, but way back in the day. Um, but honestly, this game looks really good, even on like low, medium, medium high. It's a it's a great looking game. Yeah, it's also a game where frame rate. Like I think you want to keep it above thirty, but or like thirty ish. But it's it's a top down turn based RPG. Like if if your max running in it, like. 25 frames per second that's yeah i agree um, i agree it's not like it's a shooter we gotta do some crazy flick shot to headshot the guy behind you yeah no you definitely don't need a high frame rate you know like maximum pinpoint accuracy or anything you can totally take your time so 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually intentionally limiting my frame rate to 40 on my pretty beefy PC. Um, just so my fans calm down and my room stays a lot cooler. <laughs> my GPU is not exhausting. Right. 90 Celsius air. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I've been doing that. So performance is good. Um, there was a delay in the Mac version, but it's out now. Um, so you're all set there. Um, you know, I bought it again. So, you know, in, so talking about co-op really quick, um, because obviously this is a great single player game. The companions along the way make it almost as if you're playing with other people um, to some extent anyway. Um, but I think I actually normally just like these kinds of games at four player. Like I play Divinity 1 and 2, both solo and maximum two player. Even ARPGs, I prefer Borderlands with two players, Diablo with two players. I don't like the chaos of having four. It's kind of too much. Everyone running around doing stuff all the time. So, you know, games like this, you can play up to four-player co-op. I think there's even mods that unlock more or something, but whatever. Four is the normal official supported. Um, it's actually really fun because you can split up. Um, people can run around and have their own conversations. It's very easy to just click and listen in. You don't even have to be nearby. Just get this little ear icon and you can, then you can, like, you get a, uh, a history, if you want, of, like, what's been said and chosen already. Um, I think you can even vote on options, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if you're all in the same conversation together, um, there's like a little like vote party system, I think, in co-op if you want. Of course, the party leader can just do what uh, I mean, the person that, who started the conversation can always do whatever they want, but they can, if they want, take the voted suggestions. Uh, I already mentioned earlier how combat's really fun to combo and do stuff together with. But even outside of combat and exploring, it's pretty easy to, you know, there's like teleport gates to get around, although they're fairly far apart. Um Honestly, you won't really want to like you don't want to run around and fight alone. The game is balanced for four players, uh, and even like a single level level difference matters. Like if you're level four fighting some level five, it's like oh shit. It's not like other games where it's like pasha, you know, one level difference. Who cares? Like levels really matter in this game. Even a one level difference is like oof. You can get like your butt kicked. Um, typically, you'll stay together, but like say you're in a town or whatever, usually you'll split up and sort of then come back together and or oh hey i found this cool thing then everyone runs over and oh, oh shit i got caught and now i'm in jail which happened more than once uh <laughs> you know um <clears throat> i got i got put into a prison and tortured actually in a in a different not in a town but in a another camp shall we say and it was something no one else had seen in the game yet even though they had been playing it a bunch they're like what i didn't know that could happen that's so cool and i'm like come and save me <laughs> help <laughs> Um, so I think the multiplayer experience is also really strong, whether it's one player or even just two players, three players, four players. I think it's a great time. Uh, in traditional D&D fashion, my multiplayer games fell apart after a few sessions and then never reconvened <laughs> the D&D curse. Um, but yeah, it's a good time. Multiplayer is what I'm saying also. Yeah. yeah. I've, I haven't played multiplayer yet, but I've heard from a few people. If you, if you if you care about the story, which I think you should, you play the game. Just have your own save, like single player, with your companions power through at your own speed, and then have your multiplayer on the side. Um, like do whatever you want, obviously. But I wouldn't unless you have a really committed group. It's going to be really hard to experience the story in the in the in the way and the speed that you want to experience it. It's true. It's personally true. You're not wrong. Um. So, and the point of multiplayer is not necessarily like deep story it's like having fun yeah the shenanigans together but i agree uh you definitely miss stuff 
because people are running around just and not even saying and just clicking into a conversation. Yeah. Or your friend yelling in Discord during a particularly yeah, meaningful scene. We or definitely something. had one clown guy in the group. <laughs> the other two players were like pretty serious, and this guy was just total clown mode, which is a little irritating. I yeah. mean, we all like him; he's a fun guy. Dang you, Kyle! Um, you know, but he he he's definitely like kind of clown mode a lot of the time, which can ruin. That's that's with the deaf and button. <laughs> <laughs> uh he was like our goofy warlock um yeah he's always yeah ever pretty much every 10 seconds someone was saying god damn it kyle because <laughs> he like runs around and like triggers a fight or gets arrested or whatever anyway no it's it's the shenanigans that you play the multiplayer for the story yeah. like unless you don't care but you'll miss a lot in multiplayer for sure unless you all take completely but then it takes too darn long you know you just yeah. so can't recommend that but it's it's a good time i was having fun as a, just a, a paladin um you know frontliner type so i kind of wanted to go back to combat a little bit and some of the expectations around that as well because even on normal unless you unless you're like some DD veteran even then the game isn't one-to-one equivalent what's called 5e rules there are some changes so some things are easier and some things are i think are harder i don't know all the like there's a list people have compiled lists some things are adjusted in favor of the players and some things are adjusted in like favor of the AI. Cause you said, after all, it's a game in the end and it's not the tabletop where like the players and DMs are just running everything. And of course you can house rule literally anything on the spot, you know? Um, so the game has to work with its, you know, with its rule sets. Um, so even if you're very familiar with 5e, there are like changes to certain things. So you should probably look those up. Um, but the game is reasonably difficult on normal until you figure the game out. And even then it can remain challenging. But it's more about like, oh, even even like strong characters don't have that many hit points. Like you can get beat up, you know, and having even like, I don't know, I think at the, I don't know what the highest amount of hit points you can start with. It's maybe 15 or something, 18 around there. Like it's not a lot per se. Um and it's reasonably common for someone gets downed in a fight and then you have to go and res them. But you also roll death saves and if you fail them, you die. <laughs> uh, but everyone has a resurrect scroll, you know, to start with and you can buy more. And Or I think certain classes, higher level of spells that just resurrect people like clerics or paladins, maybe. Probably clerics. of. But even then, what kind of cleric are you? Are you a cleric of the light or of the storm and blah, blah, blah. So on and on it goes. Um, but certain kind of expectations in combat, like... It may not immediately click. We touched on this before, but like kind of a little more in detail. Um, you know, if you're used to playing different games, Destiny, Diablo, whatever, even other CRPGs, which don't use the D&D rule set and use their own, um, like having 50 hit points is a lot. 100 hit points is a lot. You're not going to run into people of like thousands in this game. Although I think there is someone with 666. <laughs> um you know that is a reference um and that's like oh my god that's a lot of hit points how are we going to get through that you know so the game is both like if you just kind of take it at face value it might seem slow or hard or whatever but once you, but oh well maybe i could just shove this really hard guy off a cliff to his death haha now i don't have to fight him you can do stuff like that oh wait well maybe i could debuff him and then like make him slip or stunned or you know, uh, make him fail a wisdom save because then I, you know, I shot him with a debuff arrow then my mage cast a spell on him, you know. Like, if you just get a couple combos going, suddenly all this stuff really clicks. So we talked about this before, but I just wanted to mention a couple of the, like, expectations. Because, again, coming from kind of the gaming background that I do, I was a little little curious, or even thinking back to games like Fallout 1 and 2, which were also on Mac way back in the day. 
And I think those were CRPGs or at least adjacent to mm-hmm. them. Yeah, they are. Um, and those games could be hard, but also you could just like walk up and one shot someone with like a shotgun or minigun or whatever and just chunk them everywhere. So it's not that you don't feel powerful in this game. You will, but you probably won't feel really powerful to like level four or five. I probably maybe level five is where things start going. Oh my God. You get like level tier three spells, which turn you from like fairly strong magic user to like screen clearing genius, you know, in some cases, um, or your fighters suddenly gain like extra attacks and all this extra cool stuff. Cause like, Oh, my fighter goes from one t- attack to two. How how uh, impactful can that be? It's actually like insanely impactful in yeah. this game. In this in the rule set of this game, it's like, oh my god, that's bonkers. So everyone gets one main action and one bonus action by default. There are rules that adjust that. Certain classes can get extra bonus actions or free actions. Certain melee fighter classes can get extra actions later in the game, main actions. But that's the default setup. Everyone has access to everyone has access to his basic actions like jump and shove and whatever, and then things are influenced by your stats. So, so you go to shove someone, and it's your strength, I think, versus their athletics or something. But that's influenced by strength. So if you're like a puny mage with like eight or ten strength, going to shove someone with like eighteen strength, it's not impossible, but you have like a five percent chance of succeeding. I don't know the math. I'm just putting that out there. You know, you're very unlikely to succeed. So it's ultimately a game of statistics and dice rolls. And you have to be okay with the rolls not going in your favor unless you're just a permanent save scummer, which you can do. But I think the game's, at least outside of big, big, like, absolute vital moments, I think it's more fun to just go with the dice because that is kind of the whole part of the D&D experience. You want to do a thing, a persuade, a check, a fight, a spell, whatever, but the dice don't go in your favor. But you accumulate gear, stats, perks over time, which make it like almost impossible to fail. Or you get maybe re-roll modifiers or what's called advantage. You roll two, pick the higher one. And um, But that also frustrated me up front when I tried the early access game. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm used to playing Divinity where you can't miss. But that's not true. You can't miss spells. Melee attacks you would could miss if you attacked higher level characters than you. Then your hit chance went down proportionately. Um, you know, from 100 down to 80 or 70 or whatever. But anyone at the same level was just 100. And spells never missed unless you misclick. So suddenly I cast Lightning Bolt and it goes, miss or fumble. I'm like, what? You know, and then wait, I could only use it once and I have to long rest to get it back. Like it like kind of exploded my brain. So like yeah. you just kind of have to adjust your expectations a little and then get into the flow of like the dice system. And then it's actually incredibly fun. And I think it's and it's unlike anything I've ever played because I haven't gotten to tabletop. I've never played a one shot or any campaign on tabletop, even though I've wanted to. It hasn't happened. Uh, I've just played other games that were inspired by D&D, but did all that in the background. Um, yeah. So it's a little like in your face or in certain big moments in the game. Like it literally rolls a D20 die on the screen all over the screen and shows you the result. You know, so it's like you have to be OK with dice and the randomness therein, you know. Even though, obviously, you'll get mad because that's how dice go. They screw you and they, you know, shower you with goodness in criticals and stuff. Um, but there's an average, of course. They actually have a setting that's enabled to default uh, karmic dice. So if you, if you don't want that, you can just go into settings and turn it off. But So that, that'll just basically mean you're not going to roll 10 ones in a row. Um, but if you, if you turn it off, you can you could roll theoretically right, right. ten ones in a row. <laughs> I turned it off. I thought it was more fun with it off. Yeah, but uh, it's on by default, so it just prevents you from failing epically right. too many times in a row and getting too frustrated. 
So yeah, after a little adjustment period, I actually really got into it. And then I, you get excited, like, here we go. I did my setup. I buffed. Yeah. I did everything I could. Roll, you know. And you get to a point when you level where it becomes pretty hard to fail because your stats are so boosted. You have like 90, like almost 100% chance to do it. And of course, if you're doing a low level combat or test, you just completely blow it out of the water. You need like yeah. a 10 or 15 and you can get like a 25 to 30 roll and you just destroy it, you know? So, yeah. I I always still, I still enjoy it when it's like, because if you roll one, you, you get your critical failure and your your buffs don't matter. You just fail. So like I'll have Asterian. He's he's a rogue for those who don't know. This isn't really spoiler at all. No. He, he's good at lockpicking. Yeah. I don't think that's a spoiler. No, Rogues are good at lockpicking. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so we'll be like at some trap he's disarming or some like easy door and I'll be like, oh yeah, Asterian's got it. And then it'll like help critical one failure <laughs> ignites a trap whole bunch of stuff blowing up but also there's ads there and it's like oh my <laughs> fuck <Asterian."> like, <laughs> yeah that's the point of the dice is they're supposed to tell a story so the game has a really good narrator who isn't the dm but it's this great narrator this lady i forget the name of the voice actress but she's really good at narrating like events and choices and so not every failure gets narrated sometimes it does though um on a tabletop, a good DM will do that, you know, narrate your failure or whatever. But uh, that's part of uh, that's part of the game is it's this epic journey of highs, lows, middles, you know, epic rivalries and romances and adventure and or sometimes it's just small town, some little petty thing you can deal with. You know, the game has a real scope to it and a real just flow to it that's just really fun to get into. And the dice are part of that. So basically, you have to get on board with the dice or the game will not work for you. But I say, if you're hesitant, like I was, and I was very hesitant, just give it a go. Push past, the, push past the ship, get on the beach, like Sam said, play a little, explore a little, like get to the first big town or camp, which doesn't take that long. And the game's like, oh, oh, you get you get a cool set piece fight. Um, although there's kind of one on the ship, arguably, sort of, um, but more a little ways into the beach and this and that, and then like all these different quests. The game suddenly can kind of send you in many different directions. It gives you a main like quest line on top of your you know your tadpole thing and then like give, give like i think you can play for like that hour 40 like hours say 50 like say you i want to stay under two hours and try this game so i can refund it i think if you give it a serious try for like an hour 50 minutes you can definitely get it like get far enough and experience enough to decide you know if you like it or not but mm-hmm. if you kind of yeah. bounce off it push i say because i think the game really is worth it even if you bounce off it up front i bounced off it up front and the early access, the dice and the systems and the spells and the rules is like, eh, I don't know about this. You know, I didn't play long. I didn't even get off the ship. I played 20 minutes or something, <laughs> 30 minutes at most. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's worth pushing through. Again, that doesn't matter. If, I'm just trying to set the expectations about the game's experience. Yeah. Yeah, like to to add some extra flavor to what I started with, with my sort of context going in. I I mentioned this in the other podcast episode the other week, but like I'm prior to this game, like I only play competitive FPS, like Valorant, CS:GO, or CS2 now. Um, and then like my like non-competitive games was like Call of Duty, Doom, um, and then like prior to that, like I haven't played it for a couple of years now or about a year. It, like League of Legends, um starcraft 2 like competitive multiplayer like like i've always been a very like competitive multiplayer like i need my like intense mental like 
duel with this other human opponent <laughs> for like um and i haven't played or, or completed i i've played single player games re- like recently uh, recently i mean the last five ten years um but i haven't completed a single player game in like forever um the last one i can remember completing was probably titanfall 2 whenever a year that came out 2016 i think so there you go 2016 and the reason i completed it is because we had no internet for like a week so i couldn't play <laughs> was, um so like take like competitive valorant person like myself don't i don't think i have enough time to play ballers gate 3 i see it's like oh, a huge game i'm like that game's not for me all my friends are playing it the first week in august when it came out they're like this game's amazing i was like all right i'll buy it probably gonna regret it it's gonna be the classic <laughs> like pay full price on steam and play it for 20 minutes right, but yeah. um but no it i've been playing it i'm 80 hours now just started act three and uh yeah it's it's i've i've told one of my other friends i think this is the best game i've ever played in my life like not not trying to like overhype it when i say that i just mean it's just the the quality and the polish is just that high Um, i would have to agree it's not the favorite game i've ever played but it might be the best game i've ever played and i mean that from every angle the composition right. of its systems, its rules, its depth, its writing, the audio, the visual, the animations, the voice acting, there's just like everything together, you know, um, in the output, like the the end output of the game is so darn good. It isn't my favorite game of all time. That's probably Deus Ex and Cyberpunk because I'm more biased to that genre. But it, I do think it might be the best game like. Uh, collectively, cohesively, whatever I'm trying to say, like yeah. I think, just like on paper, I, if you were yeah, to like, I think it is make a column or a graph of I, all of it. I'd be hard yeah. pressed to find one that could beat it. I could find other games like I love that game, but oh, it had this bug and that missing thing and this problem with it. Like, there's no real problems with Baldur's Gate three, other than it takes 120 gigabytes of your hard drive and it costs sixty dollars. Like, if you're okay with that, it's just like it deserves its nine out of tens, its ten out of tens, and that's why I said I think it's this crowning achievement. It's it's just an outrageously good game. It's true. You have to like that kind of, you have to like RPGs and fantasy and yada yada and get on board with its systems if you're not familiar, like I said, and the dice and this and that. But if you can get on board, oh my God, it's one heck of a ride. And I'm only mm-hmm. I'm only like two thirds of the way through Act One. And I'm like, this game's insane. I got I got sidetracked by some other games, but I really can't mm-hmm. wait to get back into it. And the story yeah. is just every facet of the game is interesting. If it, it's it, it it's either interesting or like riveting. It basically fluctuates between interesting and like really exciting. It never really yeah. goes below that. It's not boring. It's not dull. It's not uninteresting. There's so many games I've liked. I'm like, well, this section's boring. Like you said, that space bar skip, you know, oh, let's get through this section or this tedious thing. Like the game is just so darn good, like A through Z, you know, that's why I say it might be. Yeah, I think it is the best game I've ever played, even if it's not the favorite game I've ever played. It's just, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and to kind of like echo what you were saying, John, like I, I do, I don't even think you have to like fantasy or or RPGs necessarily. You just have to not dislike them, if if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Like if it, maybe maybe you don't love fantasy, but you don't dislike fantasy. It's just like you, you prefer sci-fi, but right. fantasy is fine right, or whatever. Right. I I still think you're gonna like it. Same with RPGs. Like if if you don't typically play RPGs, but they're not like a negative. It's just kind of. I don't know, meh. Right. I still think give it a shot. And the only way I would say don't buy it is if you like actively dislike those. 
right um like fantasy or actively dislike rpg or actively dislike randomness in your game like you want everything to be like fully within your control at all times um then maybe it's not not really the game for you agreed that's kind of the only conditions but if you had to pick one if this was the game to give it give rpg a try like a real a real try like i said that like under two hour mark of your time um god dang it has to be this one i mean i don't know when we'll see another game like this you know this is like a game of a lifetime honestly it really is like and it took them like six years to make hundreds of people obviously tons of money and hours like a lot of effort went into this game um you know and it shows yeah the other thing i think that's maybe important to note before we hop into spoilers is is like the rpg moniker or like genre that's applied to Mm it obviously that gets applied to like a ton of games um but like this is what the advantage of D D. like it's most rpgs that i like sort of classically think of um trying to think back like well like dragon age obviously dragon age does a good job of being an rpg and by our by doing a good job i mean by being like a role playing game where you a player are playing a role you decide like oh am i gonna be good i'm gonna be evil am i gonna be <laughs> good but i'm a dick <laughs> in terms of like the, the conversation choices that my I'm, favorite bioware um, role myself <laughs> yeah so like Massive Effect had like the Paragon or Renegade right, and stuff, yeah. but like this game is just—it's the first time I feel like I've actually role played in a video game. Like I've played RPGs, many of them, but it's, it's kind of just like I'm not role playing; I'm just playing Commander Shepard or right. main character yeah, protagonist, yeah. and I'm just doing what they would probably do. But whereas this game, I'm I'm like creating like a literal role for my my custom character, and it's like. I think he would be like generally good, but like also like not like I don't know, like the caricature good guy who's like, Oh, whatever you need, like I'll <laughs> bake you a loaf of bread or give you all my right, money or yeah, like yeah. <laughs> so No, I, I yeah, agree. I, the you know, it may have just been the technology wasn't there before to create something on this scale. Not even necessarily the technology, but the, um, the like the sheer ambition and like the audacity of Larian to make something like this and this to put much, you know, this much time and money into it. Of course, they were in early access. They got a ton of early access sales to their credit. They got like a million early access sales fairly quickly. That obviously helped them. Like, oh, great, you know. And they were in, so three years of like dev. They announced the game early access for another three release. So obviously, the game had like a very fortuitous like series of events that came together. Maybe they put it out in early access. Nobody buys it. Maybe they're like, oh, crap, like no one's really into our game. They didn't get funding like that could have happened in a different timeline. Unlikely with their with their reputation in the game's IP, but not impossible. Uh, games flop all the time. Well, maybe not all the time, but they do. Even big ones. Um, what I'm saying is it wasn't just like a, a, a hand wave success, like guaranteed to happen. Um, you know. The other thing that. I think it's just interesting. It was not overly important, especially now in the hindsight it's not important, but at the time it was, is Larian, Larian paid for their D and D license for this game. They, they were not given like wizards of coast. Didn't like approach them and say like, here's 50 mil for a D and D game or something yeah. like Larian wanted to do a D and D game for a long time. They were told, no, like, who, who are you? Uh, <laughs> you're not doing a D and D game. So they did divinity original. So one and two as kind of like, I don't want to diminish those games. Because they are like extremely highly re- well reviewed games, 
Um, but they're they're almost like a like a resume you, builder. <laughs> yeah, like a resume builder for like that D and D game that Larian was really really wanting. Um, and Larian has said they're going to go back to Divinity. I think they're going to cap it off with a Divinity Original Sin three, yes. and then may, maybe Baldur's Gate four. That's like sure decades away at this point but <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's they had they had the early access they got sales from that but at the same time they're their own private independent studio they're not like working for like ea or activision and getting like a the dump truck of cash backed up and it's like oh you can need five years and 100 mil here you go like they're they're self-funding their game they paid for their dini license they did early access to generate some revenue and they, they really bet the studio on uh like if this game flopped i think larry would be Done, I oh I agree sure. they wouldn't they but, wouldn't have obviously it worked out incredibly like record breaking but like we said there's an alternate timeline where that doesn't happen and they fold <laughs> or they yeah. laugh half their staff you know whatever um I I hundred percent agree um, and it's cool that I think that's part of the charm of the game that something like this was able to happen because they weren't being constrained by a publisher or a timeline. Now I'm not saying those are always bad things. Some some developers like kind of need some oversight or a little reining in, I think. The same with like some movie directors, enter just entertainment creators. Some of them get a little too uh, you know, carried away. <laughs> um, but Larry and just they had a really strong vision, you know, from a, whatever it's Sven, Sven Wick or Vic or something is the main guy, but obviously there's so many other people involved. I just know him as kind of the face because he makes all these, you know, update videos and everything. But um, that's also what I meant earlier when it's fun to be a part of the game. Like Larry in itself, their like goofy, casual, fun influence. But they're, I say goofy, but the game is also like very serious, you know, and that's what's also oh, yeah. interesting about Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, there's plenty of humor in the game, but there's also like really rich in depth, like emotional stories, moments, you know some like shockingly dark and cruel things but also like super awesome like upbeat stuff like it's it kind of feels like grounded life but in fantasy but it's not like high fantasy in your face even though i think it technically qualifies as high fantasy but so it's it's you know it's just really cool just it's darn impressive um and i think it is more impressive that it came out of this quote-unquote indie studio (laughs) by definition as an indie it's an indie game yeah. like obviously not it's not in terms of how we actually mean that no word, but, no no um but it's not a independent studio wizard ea whatever you know game yeah. there, there's no publisher it's just yeah exactly game. so it's pretty wild and like you said they bought their license and all this stuff so it's a cool story and it's uh you know they deserve their accolades and their success so they've been the global if you go to steam and go to global top sellers um in the store you'll see uh, i'm looking right now they're number two but they're 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 pretty much the number one global bestseller every day for last since they released and the only time they dropped number two is when a new release comes out and that'll be number one for like a day two days three days and then polish gate three goes back to number (laughs) one it's like right now lords of the fallen which hasn't actually released yet technically but it releases in two days Everybody's pre-ordering it, I yeah. guess. That's the top game on Steam. And Baldur's Gate 3 is number two. And it's beating out games like FIFA 24 and like Cyberpunk and like um Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's uh, top selling doesn't I don't know, don't put too much stock in top no. seller, but it's a testament that two months later this single player CRPG is still chart topping on Steam. That is notable because most of the games that stay up there are all multiplayer. And if you go look at the most played on Steam, I think the top 
majority, like almost all of the top 10 are multiplayer. It's all the, yeah. the CSGOs or the CS2s and the Dotas and the PUBGs and whatever, all this other stuff. Um, but every now and then, like a single player game sneaks in there. <laughs> so it is, it is notable. Yeah. yeah. The most comparable single player game that I can see would be like Elden Rings and like 10th or something, yeah. but it's on sale. It's 34% yeah. off. No, stuff um, sneaks in there, obviously, in you know, for its time, The Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk and all this stuff, like, those are CD Projekt Red games, but, you know, they don't stay there forever, but, you know, they had their, like, time in the limelight. Um, yeah, it's it's really cool stuff. Um, the podcast is getting on a little bit, so let's jump into spoiler mode. Um, within That's within good. reason. I Sam has played more than me, but... We'll, we'll limit it to Act 1. Yeah. And how how far have you gotten in act one like you can say whatever you want because i've done right been over uh just quick one. disclaimer you know for anyone listening you know if you don't want any spoilers at all then sign off here thanks for listening see you next time but if you don't mind you know hearing some more maybe you've already played or you just don't care about spoilers listen on and you could hear maybe some permutations of the story and events so three two one done huzzah spoilers so how far have i gotten uh let me think well um, so I went into the mountain pass where the Geth Kreesh or whatever it's called is. I mm-hmm. didn't actually get there. I just know it's there. Um, and I, I was just poking around. I was just exploring, you know, you meet the group and there's the dragon and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you can, <laughs> it's funny if you just give them the, uh, uh, shadow hearts, like artifact thing. Then I did that just for fun to see what would happen. And of course they just try and kill you. Um, so I went over there, and unfortunately for me, it was like, warning, this will advance quests and past time. Are you sure you want to go in here? And I'm like, ah, sure, whatever. And then, so I did that, but then I didn't go back to the grove for like six hours and not realizing that completely closed off the grove and all my quests inside forever is permanent. And all the quest lines associated with it are just chopped. Um so I'm currently like pretty deep in the Underdark. Um, I'm not to the Forge yet, but I'm on my way. So, uh, but that's I basically explored everything else in that that side of Act One, like everything, every nook and cranny of the map that isn't the Underdark. Have you done the uh, anti-ethyl and yes, all, that all of that, all of that, like hundred percent. That's honestly a really cool area, like very impressive, yeah. uh, very interesting. The thing I was trying to allude to earlier, which it's what's not really a spoiler, but it's um. It's not. It's over by Auntie Ethel's area, but it's that like random like Druidic circle, like way out in the water. Oh yeah, out there. yeah, yeah. And then so you fight a couple like tree, yeah, monster things, and then when you loot the, I think there's like a hidden like a notch in a tree or something that you can loot after you kill yeah. them. There's like a piece of paper in there, and it's it's like a letter to one of the druids. Yeah in the grove about how she's going to take yeah. over and like overthrow all the druids. And it's like, at that point in the game, I'd already saved the grove. Ah, interesting. So they were already all gone, but I was like, mm-hmm. ah, I wish I could like, interesting. Um, like go like confront this person right. about this like letter I just found. And like, that was my plan. My plan was to try and clear out the goblin camp. So the quest is you go to this grove and it's under attack by goblins and there's a tiefling who are like, they look like demons. They have horns and stuff, but they're not demons. They're trying to take refuge in this druidic grove and the druids don't actually want them there. So there's all this tension and the druid leader's missing. He's gone missing. He's been captured by the goblins, lol. Um, 
even though he's like level four. Anyway, whatever story reasons, he has like plot armor. Um, he can become a companion later, I think, Helzen. Um, and of course, depending on when you do the goblin camp, it's either very hard or very easy. I swung, I came back to it later and just like leveled the place because I was actually level five. But I did it in multiplayer I when too, I was like yeah. level two or three. And it was like, oh my God, this is so hard. Um, you know, so, so that's fun. Uh, but yeah, I found that piece of paper randomly. I actually got stuck over there with Shadowheart for some reason. Somehow she wandered over there alone. I don't know why. So she fought all these people. Actually, she got killed by the last guy. I was, I was trying to see if she could solo the fight out of curiosity. And the last like dude took her out and had to run over with everyone else and save her. But, um, so I also found that piece of paper and I'm like, great. I was going to, so you have multiple options. You can side with the Grove and just like kick out the the, the refugees. Uh, you can be evil and like kill them all, or you can force that to happen by stealing an artifact and making them think it was them and all this. There's all these different ways to do it. Or you can go in. So they're like, well, we want to leave to go to Baldur's Gate, but the road's blocked by all these goblins everywhere. And it's true. There are goblins in all the passes and there's this huge goblin camp. So you can go and wipe out the camp. But then when you go to the camp, it's like, oh, well, first you have to eliminate all these special leaders and on and on and on it goes. But then you can go over there and talk to the leaders. And one of them, who's this super cool drought lady, is like, yo, why don't we team up and go wipe them all out? And you can be like, woohoo, let's do it. But then certain people in your party might be like, whoa, 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 like, forget this. Carlac's one of them. She'll uh, leave on, she'll threaten to leave. And if you push it, she'll fight you on the spot, I think. Or maybe she just leaves. I forget which. But characters can permanently leave. She just runs off and disappears or something because they don't agree because she's a tiefling and you're, you know, going to attack her, you know, her people. And um, so I'd planned to do all that. And I did, like I said, I didn't go back to the Grove for like six hours. But I didn't realize that it advanced time. I mean, it warned me, but it didn't say what quest. It didn't say, like, warning, this quest will be permanently ended. I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I saved my game, and then on and on I went. And I only, when I came back later with the letter, thinking, haha, I will confront this person and expose her evil schemes. I was like, oh, the grove is blocked off. What happened? <laughs> then I had to look it up online. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is permanent. Then I'm like, maybe I have a save. And I looked at my saves and it's like, oh, that was six hours ago. I'm not replaying six hours of the yeah. game. I had I had this kind of similar experience where I knew, I don't even know if I knew at the point, Will as a companion, um, like I, I had like met him in that set piece you see like pretty yeah, much right, right away. But he just like goes back into the grove and he's just kind of standing there. Like you can go talk to him or something and he wants you, I forget what quest you have to do, but um. He'll eventually join your party if you talk to him like once or twice. And I kind of knew that, but didn't bother getting in my party. And then I went and wiped out the whole goblin camp and then did a long rest. And then like the tieflings were there in my camp, like celebrating. And then like, they all like left the next morning and like, and then Will just like left. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, you know what? He actually, um, he wants you to hunt down Carlac with him that's how i found her because he's like oh there's this demon and i'm hot on her trail and i gotta you know i gotta catch her so i'm like oh new companion whatever sounds cool i had no idea who she was you know i let him join even though i didn't really want to give up my current party config i'm like well he's a warlock i don't have any warlock stuff let's check out what he does and river so that's how i found carlock and then i booted him out of the party immediately for her she was but he was she was way cooler um yeah it's uh I think I I think I didn't get that quest line because I was testing out the the like 
not evil, but just like being a dick. Yeah. Dialogue options. And he like asked me to do something like uh, to probably just start that quest. I was just like, nope, to help yourself or like, and then he's well, like, he oh, is kind okay. of a goody like, two shoes, which I also wasn't big on. I was doing dark urge. So I'd already at that point, I'd eaten Gail's hand. I'd like curb stomped <laughs> mind flares and goblins and you know, all this other like evil stuff. Um, I ate some goblins toe. That was pretty fun, though kind of gross. Um, you know, I uh, I ended a uh, aspiring minstrel's career overnight. Oh, ah, I saw, ah, I saw ah, that ah. one. Uh, it's not yeah. actually that funny. It's that's that's some that's a dark that's very joke. Sad. Um, yeah. So yeah, the game is damn. The game's just fun. So I'm honestly tempted to go reload my save and then like do the grove thing because it's not just a matter of how you want to deal with the grove. There's other adjacent quests. For example, the evil paladin drow, Menthara, who I think is actually really cool because she's a vengeance paladin, but she's evil and vengeance paladins can basically kind of be evil and not break their oath. Um, you can recruit her as a party member, but only if you go wipe out the grove. And you can even agree right. to wipe out the grove and have Karlak leave your party and everything. She goes to the grove and you go there and she's like, WTF, the grove's closed. Like, what's wrong with you? And then she'll attack you, um, which is what happened in my game. <laughs> uh, I was just curious to see what would happen. I didn't want to give up Karlak. I went back and reloaded. But um, So there's a bunch of like resolutions to that whole grove thing, which is eh, sort of, it's the early part of Act 1, kind of the beating heart of it. Mm-hmm. Like, And then you can move on to other things. Um, so then you have the Githyanki, Githyanki, I don't know how to say that exactly, with Lazel, who's one of the main companions, unless, of course, you play her as a precon. She also, you also, like, scripted meet her on the ship. She, like, jumps down to attack you, ha-ha, and then you talk to her, and it's all good. Um, she's a major part of the story. What's interesting is some companions are more a part of the story than others, and this was also true in previous Larian games, uh, say Divinity 1 and 2. Um, sorry. Some characters were just simply kind of part of the main story, and others were just kind of tangential. Like they had a fringe quest in Act Three or Four, and whatever, you know. Uh, but other characters are kind of mainline. So Lazel is one of the main companion characters, at least in Act One. And I happen to know Shadowheart is the main one for Act Two. Yeah, oh, I, we should have asked this earlier. What's your like default party? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So my solo, I'm running a, you know self-created sorcerer or sorceress or whatever it's called um who do i have who's my main right now i think i just kicked out a starion for lazel i was using him for the longest time but honestly mostly just because he can lock pick and steal um so as my sorcerer always carlac as soon as i found her because she's i love her personality and just her skill set is awesome her Mm -hmm. damage output is bonkers if you take certain things which i did she can hit people for like 40 damage in one swing. <laughs> but she misses a lot, so whatever. Um, my sorceress, Lazel. Who the heck else am I using? Shadowheart? Oh, sorry. Or... Yeah, of course. Shadowheart, because cleric. You know, I don't want to play yeah. a cleric, but I want to have one in my party. Very useful. So, yeah, Shadowheart, Sorcerer, Karlak. And I was using a Starion. Then I just switched him out, I think, for Lazel. I honestly wanted Minthara, but I can't have Minthara and Karlak. Apparently, there's, like, yeah. really janky, weird ways you can do that. Like, I saw this on Reddit. I think you have to, like, kill them and, like, resurrect. I think you have to kill Karlak you have to, in camp Yes, or you something? have to kill Karlak and someone else will leave, too. Maybe Will or, like, the good, like the more, 
like good aligned yeah. types. It's and then like recruitment Thara, yeah. then go back to camp and like yeah, this, it seems pretty janky. It's very janky. But... I think at one point you have to turn Minthara into a sheep or something. I don't know. There's all this stuff. You can kind of like trick the game, but it might cause bugs later. I don't know. Uh, and in the game, funny enough, even accounts for that. I didn't get there, but again, like I said, I accidentally spoiled myself. So there's a party at the end of Act One, or maybe, is it the Grove? There's like this party. Where's this party at? It's not actually too far. You probably just haven't seen it yet because you accidentally closed the Grove. Yeah. If you like save the Grove, um, by like, AKA kill the Goblin right, right, Camp, right. they're like, oh, like thank you for saving us. We're gonna be like on our way now because it's clear and like they have like a party. Right. Okay. So apparently, if you kill them, like your companions, and then resurrect them at the party, they'll ask, "Oh, hey, what happened with the Grove? Like we missed that. Like even the little stuff like that they added in. I, I just." so good yeah um but unfortunately i i so i'll have to do that in another playthrough um yeah mine's been pretty consistent um shadow heart and lazelle the whole time um extremely rare that i would ever sub them out and then it's mostly been carlock as my third but it's been i would say like carlock 70% of the time, a little bit of Asterian, um, a little bit of Will. I don't really like Will, so I mostly just was like, oh, Warlock, let's yeah. try this out. But but what's weird with my party is I feel like with me being a ranger, I kind of I wish I wasn't a ranger. Um, a ranger is fine, but it's just with the companions that I want to have, Yeah, it's kind of a weird party makeup. Right, yeah. Because like ranger is basically like a fighter slash archer you're like a ranged like, marshal what they call marshals in the game who are typically melee but then you're ranged. yeah so i have like i'm i have very good archery skill set and then i have i'm fine with like swords and i medium arm proficiency um but so i, I so my party is like me doing that stuff lazelle fighter um and then carlock who i kind of treat lazelle and carlock the same both just like in their face yeah. like go do a ton of damage my Lazelle is like untouchable. I, I have won so many fights. Her armor class is like twenty. Oh my god! Yeah, that's bonkers. Um, and she has like gloves of snaring on, so she can like catch arrows. Oh, those are and, fun! Like, yeah. Um, I think I got the misty step boots on her, so she can yeah. teleport around the fight. But um, I I tried subbing her out, but her storyline's really cool. Like initially, I thought she, it's like all oh, this angry orc <laughs> well she's very but, she's a real you know let's just call it she's a real bitch up front she's rude yeah. she's arrogant she's condescending she's cruel like uh i haven't gotten further but again i've accidentally spoiled a few things and you know apparently she has more of a transformation but what i love about her and shadowheart is they're always bickering so having them yeah. in your party is just a riot like as you walk around the world and then just but not even always yeah. bickering sometimes they just have because lazelle has never been to your world before she's basically like think the spartans but they're like space cosmic space travelers that's kind of what the githyanki are they're hardcore yeah. like mega warriors and they're like the sworn foes of the mind yeah players. the mind players so that's why she's yeah. part of the story and of course she's telling you just look let's get to our camp crush thing which is further on in the act and then like it'll just take care of it like i know it like my elder there or whatever you know will take care of us so i haven't gotten there yeah. but um her learning about the world and like other races and people and like simple things, names, like instead of teethlings, she says teethlings, 
like teeth as in like your mouth instead of tieflings. Then she's like, tish pasha, you know, like she's always offended by stuff yeah. when she gets corrected or, you know, and things go over her head because she doesn't understand like aphorisms and analogies. And, and she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, she. I. I. I won't really spoil much because I think that's probably more Act Two, Three. But like her storylines, <clears throat> really good. Hers and Shadow Hearts are the ones that I've. I've heard that. Most. I've heard that. Um, um, yeah, which makes sense. So I'm trying to think. How far have you gotten in the Underdark? Um, let me see. I'm almost to the forge. I'm on my way to the forge, and I already know I can craft some like Uber armor there or something if I get the iron, but. Uh, I was just. Have you went on the boat across uh, the I little? I tried, um, but I got ambushed. Like I couldn't. I failed a persuade, like a deception check, and then I didn't have like the boots from the goblin, uh, the halfling runaways, or something as proof that I did the guy's bidding. So they attacked me, and they were high. They just slaughtered me. They all went first. Like the the other sh- the other ship yeah. that's like coming so the other way. Yeah. I, I had to reload and um, go back instead of trying to fight again because it was. I just got annihilated. Um, I went around and did more stuff in that area. I went over to the weird, like, yeah. tree mushroom people. Um, then I went... Did you complete their quest? Um, I faked it, because at that point, I had switched over to a bard um, instead of a sorcerer, just for the lulls. And mm-hmm. I convinced them with some very high-level um, deception that I'd done everything they wanted. But you can it's a bard thing, specifically. Like it, that's an option. Oh, that's you cool. can, I had no idea you could do uh, that. You can, <laughs> like, oh, you can yes, resonate with their all. melody, but then because you have a, a performance and add a high performance stat, you can like, because um, they check your mind for images, but you just create the images of you doing everything they wanted and killing all the, the bad evil drow dwarves or whatever. And then they're like, cool, here's all their stuff in our treasury and off you go. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> I didn't do it that yet. You know? Um Yeah. Did you do the tower down there? The tower, the tower, the tower. It's like in the same area, like the what do they call it? It's, it's um. There's those like robotic turrets defending it. Oh well, there's like a there was like a uh something a, a moonlight camp sort of thing, like a mini puzzle almost. I kind of forget. I forget the name though, but it's it's very close. Like it's in the same area. You don't have to go across the ship or anything. If you walk into the area with the tower, there's the just this like automated um magic i mean no there were two of them on like on side of the stairs and there was like a locked gate and it like zapped you it was that is that what you mean or a different one well yeah there's there's that big tower that they're defending and there's i don't know if i don't know if you've been in there i don't think so i think i'm near it because i've just been doing different things um what else i couldn't figure out how to actually well there's a way there's a way to deal with the turrets that's i had to look up online Uh, but um that tower has I'll just say explore the tower, sorry. I don't want to yeah. say much more. But. I did stumble across the beholder down there who was like a real oh shit moment. Cause they get a like, Oh yeah, that that was my first experience in Underdark. I went I went down the uh that's the Shar whatever fortress. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you like the one window's like knocked out, so I like, oh yeah, let's yeah, jump yeah. out here. And then, then Correct. you see the drow that are frozen. Yeah. I tried to like kill them because I figured they somehow get resurrected or something couldn't figure out how to kill them so i just walk kept walking and then you get ambushed yeah (laughs) Uh, at that point i had already opened my flask long ago so i'd seen one already oh spoiler alert uh the flask so i had gone through i got in the because there's multiple ways to get in the underdark including apparently very early on if you have feather fall um 
but I got there later through the like thieves camp thing. And they had an elevator. Mm -hmm. If you have the flask, apparently you can give it to them and like unlock trading with them and high level items. But I had it, but it was empty. So I gave it to them. And they're like, Rah! they got enraged and all attacked me. And that was a fun fight because of all the like high level bridges and stuff. Shove came into play there. Great. It was Wah! push people off. Um, but yeah, I, I, so yeah, I went down the elevator and then two minotaurs promptly jacked me and kept just like trampling me all over the place back and forth that was that was a fun fight nearly did me in actually because i was stuck in like a corner with nowhere to go and they just kept like charge ramming me i was like oh my god <laughs> make it stop <laughs> yeah but there's more than one way to get to the underdark you can get through the goblin camp you can jump off i think two different cliffs maybe if you have featherfall or something anyway permutations so where you land could also like you could land right in combat. You could just come in more normally and kind of poke around. Um, yeah, so that's where I left off, and I haven't played since. But otherwise, I've explored everything overland, tiny bit into, like, the mountain. I think they call it the mountain pass. And then, I I'm, I don't know, maybe halfway or something done the Underdark. Um, and finishing, of, that's, that's as far as I've gotten. But very impressed by the game's just permutations around the Grove, certain quest lines, things being cut off or opened up. Um. Yeah, I kept thinking Act One was like I was like <clears throat> finished Act One, and then it's like, oh, never mind. Here's the Underdark, or here's the Mountain Pass. Yeah, or so. even like the whole Hag thing, you know, in the swamp. Yeah. Which again, all this illusion spells, and that can end multiple different ways as well. Whether saving the girl and her like in the wand to resurrect her husband or not, or heading letting the Hag live. Oh, so what did what did you do with the Hag? Like, how did you resolve that? I killed her and I gave the wand or the staff, whatever it is, to the wife. And she was really upset with me because I ruined her plan to resurrect her husband. So, and then I gave her the, the wand. I was like, oh, right. whatever. And then she, I think it's all in the same area. Maybe it's later on. She like resurrects her husband and he's like a zombie. <laughs> and then they just kind of like wandered off. Nice. Um, Apparently, you see them later in like Act Three oh, or something. Cool. But I, I'm so, not unfortunately sure for me, I had freed her from the cage. Like the hag sets it on fire, so I cast a water spell yeah. on it. But somewhere in the fight, she died, and I didn't notice. Um, That's too bad. So she, I tried to go and resurrect the husband myself with the wand, but it doesn't let you. Um, and I did kill the hag, although I just for I saved then and tried not killing her. She gets to a permanent stat boost, which is actually pretty tempting. Um, but what's funny earlier, you can try to get the hag to help you with the tadpole and she like gouges out one of your eyeballs with her hand and you're actually permanently like scarred in one eye if you do that. And it gives you plus one to intimidation checks <laughs> like forever, you know. Did you get to uh, Volo or whatever his name is? Vo the bard guy. Oh, my God. Yeah, was... yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Did did you let him do his magic on you? Uh, yes, yes, that is also rough. <laughs> yeah, I was, I I was seed out and like he was like going nuts on my face, and then I was like, and I like I let like keep going like twice, right. and I was like, no, yeah. like I didn't know what was gonna happen. I found out later, like on the internet, that I, I think you got a permanent stat boost. I don't remember. Um, I think you got some sort of yeah. permanent stat boost if you let him just like keep going. Yeah. Um, he gives you some robotic eye or something that gives you like 
perception or you know i, I, I think i may have failed a roll i think i passed a few and i think it makes you roll for it and i think i failed because my sorceress was a wuss like super high uh wiz no charisma because sorcerers are charisma based for their spells um and i think constitution but i, for, I forget what i needed strength or text i needed something and i and yeah. i failed it well, I was worried about getting like a permanent like debuff. Was this guy's going nuts in my face here? Well, so. that can also happen apparently too in some cases. So you got to watch out. Like, <laughs> yeah. What'd you do with uh, Asterion the first time he tries to munch you? Um, let me see. I first told him no, and he he slunk off like such a sad puppy. I felt so bad. I reloaded and like let him bite me. Um, because he was like. Man, the narrator makes you feel bad too. So I was like, man, I felt so guilt tripped. I reloaded. <laughs> I mean, it was so obvious he's a vampire. It wasn't some. I I don't know why they tried to make that some reveal. Like, of course he's a vampire. It's obvious just by looking at him in the first two seconds. Even though he's immune to sunlight, it's like he's obviously a vampire. Even his bite marks on his neck very visibly. It's like, ooh, he's a vampire. It's like, well, yeah, I know. Everyone knows. Um, I didn't let him bite me later. Like, I'm not trying to be. I like he's fairly friendly with me because I'm dark urge and he's like, Yahoo, like do your dark urge mm-hmm. things. And honestly, the voice actor's like pretty primo. Like, oh, yeah, he's really that's why I I don't usually have him in my party, but I wish I had him more just for his voice actor. Like, I think he's oh, they're all hey. good, but he's just another level. <laughs> like, yeah, there's this one where I don't know where this is in the game, probably in the bard area, like the grove. Or sorry, not Bardaria, Druder. Right. Um, I just saw like a random like on YouTube. Somebody is like a perception check on like a. Oops, I'm sorry. I accidentally clicked mute on you. You have to mute yourself. My mistake. Sorry. Repeat. I'm back. Thank you. Um, I had this random video where. It's like a, I think a statue of a bear or something. I'm pretty sure it's in the Druidic area, maybe maybe in the Owlbear cave or something. And it's either an animal handling check or an Arcana okay. check. And so like they get our Asterion to like do it, and it's just like immediately like failed. And then he's just like, rawr. <laughs> like just, <laughs> he has no clue what the statue is. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's awesome, Asterion. I mostly he like hates, him. He hates me. Though. I like him for his voice acting mostly. Um, yeah, he's uh he loves the bad choices, and I keep not making the bad choices. So his like happiness with me is like a little bit below ah, okay. center. Right. He's he doesn't like it's not full, but it's Lizelle and Shadowheart. I have like maxed on both of them. Um, and it's funny now because like you were saying they're they're, they're like bickering, yeah. and this isn't really a spoiler. I guess obviously you can max out their happiness, yeah. but um, they're like still bickering, but they're like friends right. now. So they're kind of like sibling bickering instead of like, I'm going to kill you. Right, bickering. yeah, yeah. Because, oh. spoiler yeah. alert, they do actually try and kill each other at one point, And that can play out in many different ways, you know. So also very interesting. Yeah, when that happened, I, I I just succeeded the checks first try. So I didn't really have to like think about it right? to save both of them. But yeah, now I, never, I didn't think about that until now. But yeah, that could go... <clears throat> It can go very, very sideways. I found out, yeah. <laughs> and I wish I thought it was like one of those things where it's just like, "Oh, this is tension." And I'm like, "Oh my god, someone just got their throat like ripped out with a dagger." Okay, holy shit! Like, reload, reload, <laughs> 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 try again. You know, so so yeah, the yeah. game is just 
uh, it's so good. And this is just all Act One stuff, you know. And I want to play more. Yeah. I've just been sidetracked um, by other games. I kept thinking Act One was going to end, uh, especially when I cleared out the Grove right. and the Goblin Camp. I was like, okay, like Act One is complete. And then... I mean, in any other game, it would be that would be yeah. Act One or whatever, or even half the game. And it's just like, oh wait. <laughs> and then I went and did like Anti Ethel, uh, cleared out that. I was like, you're like, okay, now it's done. And then like. Yeah, there's there's just like that was like twenty twenty five hours maybe. I didn't leave Act One until about forty or fifty right. hours. I think that's a lot of people. And again, what's great about this is the game rewards you mostly through either a really fun or interesting story or tidbit or cool set piece combat, but most often in the form of like you get really cool items for your characters, whether in a chest or a dead body or dug up from the earth or obviously from some like boss type character quest reward. Yeah. Um, and it's not always useful for your character, but it's pretty much always useful for someone in your party, you know, and items are pretty significant in the game. Like for the most part, they're not just like plus 0.1% yeah. strength buff or whatever nonsense. It's like meaningful, cool stick. Cool I stick. thought it was, it was funny, like in hindsight, like Halson, when he's telling you like how to get to the, uh, whatever the act two place is called the place you're like trying to get that's on all your right. journal quest markers yeah. he's like oh like there's the mountain pass or there's the underdark but like definitely don't go to the mountain pass that would be so challenging and like underdark should be way easier underdark you're getting like clapped like everywhere <laughs> like everything's just like super difficult high level i had to google so many like things i was just like i i don't know what i'm doing right now and then this thing i like about the game though i would google and like spoil i guess like certain things like those turrets at the tower and then you see the answer you're like like of course (laughs) like like why why didn't i think of that but yeah the game definitely rewards you to be a little creative or or thoughtful um there's not necessarily puzzles in the game but there are like traps or things to overcome you know basically yeah the um oh, i really want to spoil the tower is all i'll say is that there's not a quest in the tower but there is really interesting environmental storytelling that requires you to like look right. at what's going on in the tower right. um and if if you look at enough things you'll have a pretty cool encounter nice yeah, I, I usually, I don't think I have high, like, perception character, but I have, um, I don't know, a certain spell that lets me, like, maximize a stat for a day or something, and I always usually cast it on perception on someone, so I can run around yeah. and, like, see everything. It's, uh, oh, sorry, I, I won't say anymore. Let me know when you get yeah, past I it. Do, it I have a, cool a pretty place. balanced party. I have someone who's, like, great at arcana, someone who's great at religion, someone who's great at history, because there's all these, like, sub things that aren't, like, combat-based, but are, like story environment world kind of stuff you know i don't think i've anyone good at survival because that doesn't seem terribly interesting um but it's finding finding random chests with like gold occasionally i'll be like i'll find something (laughs) but often it's like survival failed survival failed survival failed (laughs) on everyone you know but uh i have some proficiencies in like history and arcana and stuff like that it's uh it's a very thought-provoking area nice i'll leave it at that but. Yeah, I so I don't I don't want to jump too far ahead. I've already accidentally spoiled some stuff, some stuff with myself about Raphael. 
about the Mind Flayer Emperor and this and that, which I wish I hadn't. Oh, I've, I've accidentally spoiled massive. So at this point, I've actually like I stopped going to the subreddit. I stopped watching anything Same. on YouTube because I'm like I'm spoiling too much stuff about this game for myself, and I <laughs> do hate spoilers. So it was never intentional. But of course, there's still so much undiscovered stuff about the game. It'll be a good time. But unfortunately, I'm like aha. Although one thing to me is obvious, I'm like aha. That is straight out of Divinity Two, which is basically Raphael. Kind of. I don't know. Did you ever play Divinity 2? I did. Okay. Well, an hour. Right. Okay. <laughs> Not enough so there's, to... Uh... There's, a, there's a clear inspiration there with one of their companions. and But, of course, in this game, Raphael's more with you or the party. Um, basically, a deal with the devil. But it, it's, it was actually the, one of the best parts of Divinity 2 was this whole quest line with a bard companion character. Oh my god, what's her name? She's my favorite. I forget now. But she had a, just this like her story was like the entire game. And it was everyone like lauds it as the best story of the game, basically, and like being a really cool payoff. Anyway, I can tell there's like inklings of that going there with that character, but I'm sure it'll go in some unexpected ways as well. And again, his voice yeah. actor is like, damn, I want more of this guy's voice is smooth. <laughs> yeah, I'd s i I wish I didn't spoil I, it was like two days ago <laughs> and the title the title was like i won't say the, yeah it was like tagged act three spoilers uh, and then okay. it was like is anyone like and then like blah 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 like or was anyone else surprised about this big plot reveal yeah. and uh, of course i'm just like click and then it's like that's happened to me i'm like how bad can it be i'm like oh no it's all spoiled in the first like two yeah. words or whatever two one sentence I'm like don't yeah. so that's why i'm like okay take a step back but yeah yeah well we could do like uh i don't know how many months will take us to fully finish but it'd be interesting doing like not not a review but just like a in a few months just like a retrospective it should be like act more in act uh, two other than i know you there's like some cursed lands and it's a lot about the goddess of char and the other one the different gods of light and dark and it's very shadow heart focused and this and that and you know you can alter her alter her one way or the other or something and this and that yada yada and i assume act maybe two or three will have a lot more to do with lazel probably act more towards act three i'm assuming but uh, i don't actually know but yeah it's it's cool um all i know is everyone says take shadow heart with you everywhere in act two i'm like well i'll do that anyway because i'm not giving up my cleric i mean bless i mean come on yeah i'm also semi-romancing her so you know yeah i think i think she she and i have pledged to be i mean everyone is she's the most romance character by stat you know but um, I also think that's because everyone keeps her in their party because she is like the first one you meet unless you pre-con her. And she's a cleric, mm-hmm. which is the least played class in the game by creation. Um, so Do bards have heals? Uh, I have no idea. They I've never, I've never... can pick one, yeah. Um, I forget which one it is. It's I think it's the ranged heal, healing word maybe. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm like, just trying to plan out my second playthrough. Yeah. I think I want to be like a bard or something. The bards are really interesting. I didn't stay a bard. I switched back to sorcerer once I hit level five because then I had the uh, tier three spells and it was like chain lightning, yeah. woohoo, let's go. But um, Fireball. my brief stint as a bard was like, damn, this is really cool. I'm really flexible out in the world. You get options like practically every interaction, and you get like extra proficiencies for actually everything. I think they get a plus one passive to all their checks. Um, but in combat, you can go like school of, or what is it? College of swords or school of something. So you can actually become like a real combat bard or a more like supporty one and just like 
pull out your loot and like strum buffs and stuff. And they have like hilarious insults with, um, oh my God, what's it called? I forget what it is. There's a spell where you like debuff someone and you shout like insults and language at them. And (laughs) oh, it makes them a disadvantage on their next roll. Something mockery. Yeah, vicious mockery. That's it. Yeah. yeah, So, you know, bards are definitely, I mean, they're jack of all, they're like jack of all trades, like master of none, but they do let you experience a lot of different facets of the game and like fairly strong ways from what I've seen. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a very vanilla, like sword and bow and arrow. And it's like my, my companions do that fine. Yeah. I don't need to exactly. be that for my character. Right. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting for my second play. I'm probably going to go for a paladin. Cause I had started one multiplayer and was like, these guys are pretty damn fun. And smite is amazing. Like, Oh my God. Apparently, like, Oathbreaker Paladin with, like, Smite is, like, the highest DPS in the game or something. I did break my Oath like, kind of early, although Kyle broke it for me even earlier. Damn it, Kyle. Of course. Um, <laughs> with the Lazel thing when she's in the cage, and I had agreed to, like, talk to them, and he came along and just like, Yahoo! Sneak attack! And just started attacking them. And because <laughs> the, the Vengeance Paladin is actually really hard to break, but one of the ways it breaks is if you, like, promise to, like, settle something, and then you break that, then then that happens because you can like you can just kill civilians outright and you're fine nothing happens as a vengeance paladin whereas the other paladins like that breaks your oath for example you can even torture people like you can do a ton of stuff as vengeance paladin have you gotten into like multi-classing at all or not so much uh not really i i think i mucked around with it by like like i saved my game and then tried i'm like yeah i feel like that's a better off a higher level thing like yeah like i saw it was there and it's just like i this game is deep enough. I don't need to like become like yeah. a half ranger druidic. Yeah, I bard. played around a lot with that in the Divinity games. Once I got good at it, like I have like two hundred hours alone in Divinity One, um, for example. Um, but I feel like, from what I can tell in this game, multiclassing is better off usually after level five or six because you get really yeah. like character class specific stuff around then. That isn't really worth giving up because you delay it. You know. So it's not your character level, it's your class level that matters in the game. You know, the level cap's 12, so you could be a level 6 Barbarian and a level 6 Paladin, or a bunch of other stuff. A level 3 Bard and level 3 Sorcerer and a level 6 Paladin, you know, but your cap is 12, however you want to mix and match all that together. Right. Um, and I, yeah, for my first playthrough, I'm just going straight, you know. Maybe next time I'll muck around with some multi-classing, but not really into it. I don't feel the necessity, because everyone feels cool and strong, like, as is, you know. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe like a month, two months, three months. Depending on how long it takes us, we'll do like a yeah, spoiler cast. We maybe should. Casper or somebody else will. They can take it off and want to join. I agree. We well. should do that. Yeah, like an Act Two, Three sort of. Version. And Larian's also been patching more stuff, and Act Three's been like polished and tuned up, and new endings were added for like Carlac and some other people, and so like more stuff has been added to the game too as well. So yeah, it can't hurt. The one, the one thing I'll say with Act Three, it's not really a spoiler. It's just jarring uh, from like a gameplay perspective is acts one and two you can do everything um i don't mean do everything is in like quests i mean like every chest every nook and cranny yeah um and i guess theoretically you could do that in act three but like i think it's a spoiler really you're, you're in the city yeah um there's just like so much like busyness around you at all times that I find it jarring sort of like the, it's not, not a tone shift, just like a, 
the scope of like the area that you're in it's just like so much not like physically larger in terms of like the map is like geographically larger but um more complex i would say interesting um so if you're going if you're playing act one and two where it's like oh like i'm gonna explore everything and open every chest and pick every plant and like like you can do that in act three but get ready for some uh yeah <laughs> overwhelming experiences <laughs> trying to trying to keep up sure with okay um nice well i think we'll wrap it up here so thank you very much sam for the review taking the time thank you everyone for listening and yeah we'll see you next time if for any mac news or maybe another retrospective on baldur's gate 3 so thanks a lot all right take care everybody take care <laughs>